Today's reading is taken from Acts chapter 8, verses 26 to the end, and can be found on page 1040 of the Church Bible. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go down to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the, all the treasury of the Kandake, which means Queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, Go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come and up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? and he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. This is the word of the Lord. I'm Steve. Just in case you're about to forget, I, um, I was just sitting on that stool and uh, Jack Rafferty came up to me and said, I thought you were going and never coming back. <laughs> Thanks, Jack. And then Millie came up to me, his t twin, and said, uh, excuse me, that's my stool, I'm sitting there. Like, go now. I'll just go, shall I? <laughs> This is probably, I mean, it's the last time I get to preach here, apart from whatever happens next week. So um, I need to answer a question within the next two weeks, and that's what this video and that scripture about Philip from Acts chapter 8 is all about. So can we have the video, please? Two weeks I've got, right? What is mission? Well, that's a big question. Don't you know? I feel like you should know. I think mission is something that happened in the past. I think mission is basically helping people. Mission is sharing the gospel, right? Well, I can't define mission exactly, but I know it when I see it. Could I have another question? Hi, I'm Philip Mound-Stephen. I'm the leader of Church Mission Society, and I want to tell you about a new project we're starting called Mission Is. Church Mission Society's dream is to see all God's people engaged in God's mission. To us, mission isn't optional, it's for all of us. 
But it seems there might be a number of things that are keeping Christians from mission. One of those things might be confusion about what the word mission really means. Now don't worry, we're not about to drop the word and become church blank society. But we do want to make mission easier to understand and ultimately to be part of. And we're hoping that you will help us with this. All you have to do is answer a few questions. Church Mission Society want to hear what you think of mission. Please visit churchmissionsociety.org and answer just a few questions. When you're done, you'll be invited to take some further steps into mission, if you like. Your input will ultimately help more people understand mission and join in. Yeah, well, I've got two weeks to figure that out. Um, we, we at CSALT are partner with Church Mission Society, CMS. Um, that's a fun little survey just to get you thinking about mission. Uh, the details in our notices and also on our website in the, um, our news section. So um, please do do that. Um, whatever the Acts of the Apostles is, we're looking at the Acts of the Apostles. We're in this series, journeying with the early church through a time of change. It is all about mission. And that passage that um, we're going to look at from Acts chapter 8, so please open your Bibles and have them open on your lap so we can study Acts chapter 8. Um, that's about the outworking of God's mission. In fact, if you're opening your Bibles, just flick back, please, right now, to Acts chapter 1, verse 8, because Acts chapter 1, verse 8 is what is happening here. This is the programmatic verse for the book of Acts. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Whatever mission is, it is God's mission, and it involves this movement here on the screen, outwards from Jerusalem, that's here, Judea, that's kind of what we reasonably know, the fringe of the church, through Samaria, where things are getting a little bit more ambiguous, to the ends of the earth where we're in virgin territory and we don't know anybody and the culture and the people are entirely different. So what we're seeing in this passage, the story of Philip the Evangelist, is the working out of this pattern. Uh, you can see I've said it's eccentric and centrifugal. Eccentric, by that I mean... If you look at it, Jerusalem doesn't remain at the center. When the mission is God's, we can't expect that we will control it all, even if we're involved in initiating it, and that we here will remain at the top of the pile in the center. Jerusalem ends up on the edge. Look at the map. Jerusalem and Judea are the two small circles, but the mission spreads through Acts, and the, the bit that was at the center, Jerusalem and the temple and all of that, where is it now? Well, frankly, it's on the edge, isn't it? And that's okay. That's okay because the mission is God's. But we've got to come to terms with that. We'll unpack that later. So it's eccentric. It's not concentric. And it's centrifugal because mission is all about God coming towards us all the time in Jesus through the Spirit, but then sweeping us up into that love which spins us out 
like a centrifuge. Mission will always have this outward-looking dimension. And, you know, as I say, it's my last kind of proper sermon. It's amazing how clarifying it is when you've been in a church a long time and then you know you're leaving. You just see things with clarity. And what I am seeing is that we here are at a kind of crossroads. We've been doing the Jerusalem and Judea and being the temple to which people come been great but as well as well as that the movement now will be Samaria and the ends of the earth it will be like that we will be involved in initiatives we might not control them we might not be at the center of them but if we want to be part of God's mission I think at Sea Salter we have to take that on board so an example would be the Lucerne Outreach that we're planning. Do you see what I'm saying? Now, that's all a bit kind of technical and abstract, but if you want people, then the focus today is on this man, Philip. And Luke has told us the story of Stephen, the first martyr. We looked at that last week. And he was part of that movement too. His criticism was about Jerusalem and the temple. That's why he got killed. And now Philip takes this on in Acts chapter 8 and we see the movement to Samaria and then in the person of this foreigner, this Gentile, this Ethiopian, even to the ends of the earth. It's beginning to move out. And as you probably well know, then it's up to the apostles Peter and supremely Paul to really take the gospel out to the rest of the known world. Rachel will be speaking about Peter's encounter with Cornelius, which is where that all begins. When's that, Rachel? In a few weeks, in September. Yeah, four weeks, she's saying, please let it not be less than four weeks. So mission is the movement outwards, and that has to be worked out here at the Christian Centre too. Now, would you turn to Acts chapter 8, verse 1? I'm going to read part of this chapter Um, that we didn't read just now. This is the bit about Samaria. Okay, Acts chapter 8, verse 1. On that day, a great persecution broke out. What day was that? What was that day? It was the stoning of Stephen. Thank you, David. Um, Stephen, that, that terrible day on which Stephen had been stoned. That awful day, on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church. Where? At the center in Jerusalem. And everybody apart from the apostles, it says, were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church, going from house to house. He dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. So this is sudden, it's violent. One commentator says this denotes brutal and sadistic cruelty on Saul's behalf. It's appalling. We have to think this is a kind of demonic thing going on, an attempt to destroy the early church. But of course, we know, don't we, the more a demonic wind blows, 
the more it fans the flame of God's church. We see this time and time again. The great example in our day is what's happened to the church in China. The more they've tried to suppress it, the more it has multiplied and become a great missionary movement itself. Verse 4. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. With shrieks, evil spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. So here we are, great joy in that city. The phrase preached, proclaimed the Messiah, preached the word, simply has the sense that they shared the good news. At this point, Philip, though he became an outstanding evangelist, was just one of the people who'd been chosen to wait on tables, table waiters, in Acts chapter 6. Same as Stephen. Stephen, they were good men, full of the Holy Spirit, but they weren't frontline evangelists at this point. And one of the things I have loved in my 20-odd years here is the experience of sharing with you as you have eagerly served the Lord and began in some humble way, and very often we've seen that God has grown your gifts and your ministries from waiting on tables and to something else. It's a thrilling thing to be part of, and I'm really blessed to have been part of that. And that's what's happening here um, with Philip and the rest. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. The thing I want to draw out of this bit is Philip's uh, boldness in preaching the gospel to the Samaritans. That's an image of Philip and the Ethiopian later. But Philip is in Samaria. This is incredible because we kind of know, don't we, that the Jews and the Samaritans did not get on very well. The Jews thought of the um, Samaritans as kind of hybrids, not like a Toyota Prius hybrid, if you know what that is, but a mongrel. And you might know the history of Israel um, was that the two kingdoms split and the ten northern kingdoms separated from Jerusalem and Judea in the south. And then in the year 722 before Christ, I'll stop this being a history lesson in a minute, but they were invaded by the Assyrians. Did you know this? And the Assyrians deported the Israelites from the north and replaced them with immigrants. So that's who the Samaritans were. They were mixed race, mongrels, as far as the Jews in Jerusalem were concerned. So for Philip to go into Samaria and share the good news of Jesus with them This was shocking stuff. These were the people who kind of had half the Jewish faith, and that kind of makes it worse almost, doesn't it? They they revered Moses, five books of the Bible, but they had to do with the prophets and the rest of the Old Testament scripture. 
And even worse, they went and built their own rival temple on a mountain called Mount Gerizim so they could worship God there. So the Jews hated um, all of this. So Philip is incredibly brave and bold. And that's mission. It's God's loving movement towards us in Christ. We're caught up in this and swept out and we need to be bold in the way we share the love of Christ. Not comfortable, but bold. Even in a vacancy in a church like ours, it's not time to draw up the drawbridge. It's a good time to be bold and creative. So the other point is that the mission is God's, and that's the story um, that Mary read for us in chapter 8, verse 26. Philip and the Ethiopian. And what do you think about this story? Is anyone like me, they kind of hear the story and you think, gosh, that's a bit, I don't want to use the word weird, but it's a bit magical almost. Did, you, did it strike you? Not only initiated by this angel, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. I mean, that's kind of okay. But did you notice how at the end, Philip is kind of magically whisked off In verse 39, they came up out of the water. The Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. That's kind of a bit, even by Acts standards, that's kind of a bit strange, isn't it? It's a bit like uh, Elijah being transported by the Lord in the Old Testament. But I um, I think what Luke is doing here is saying, Actually, the mission is God's every step of the way. Uh, Yeah, you need to be bold, but it's actually God who does the planning and he's the director of the orchestra. And has anybody, I I hadn't noticed this before, but does anybody see the resemblance between this story and another very famous story that Luke tells also at the end of his gospel? Has that penny dropped for anybody? where a mysterious stranger just appears alongside two people walking away from Jerusalem. And similarly, they get into the scriptures, the Old Testament, and he opens the scriptures to them. And who's that? That's the Lord Jesus, isn't it? And at Emmaus, because that's the Emmaus story, what happens? He breaks the bread, they recognize him, and what happens? Suddenly he disappears. It's the same, isn't it? So I think Luke is making that kind of connection for us. And in this story, you see every stage, the Lord is at work. Verse 26, the angel of the Lord, which when the Bible says that, it's a way of saying, hey, God's at work here. Sharpen up, something's happening. The angel of the Lord And he goes out and he meets, it's a divine encounter, he meets this Ethiopian. He's been to Jerusalem to worship. He's reading the scripture. The spirit says, go over there. It's this inner prompting. Somehow he knows, go over there. He's prompted by the spirit. And then the guy just drives it himself, doesn't he? It's easy. Do you understand what you're reading? Well, I can't unless someone explains it to me. So he asks Philip to do that. 
They read the bit about the lamb led to the slaughter and humiliated. And the guy says, well, please tell me, who, what's this about? And eventually he says, well, what's to stop me being baptized? It's easy, isn't it? It's the Lord at work in that man's life. He's the God of mission. He's at work out there. We don't take Jesus anywhere. He's at work. We've got to be bold and go out there and recognize him where he's already at work, yeah? That's mission. And that's what this scripture is saying. Now, I know there's a lot, there's a lot in that story and we don't have time now. But what's the good news? That's what we're drilling into in all of these Acts passages. I just think the good news is that these stories that we've heard today tell us very clearly that Jesus wants everyone. No matter what race, what status, what religion, Jesus wants everybody because he loves everybody. These are two very different stories. If you compare the two groups, the Samaritans and this Ethiopian, we've got this half-caste, mixed-race, mixed-religion group called the Samaritans, whom the Jews hated. They'd been dabbling in black magic. There's a story in this chapter. In the rest of chapter 8, you'll see Simon the sorcerer. And if you read it closely, you'll see they were, they were, they, they were involved in what Simon was doing. They were what Mr. Trump would call bad people. They're bad, bad people. Bad, bad people. And then, but Jesus loves them. Jesus always reached out to Samaritans. You might know some stories about that from the Gospels. And then you've got this Ethiopian, completely different. Foreigner, not a Jew. High status, serving the queen, curious. I mean, he, he was on pilgrimage to Jerusalem, reading the Bible. Very different kettle of fish. And Philip is involved in winning him for Jesus um, as well. So, God wants everybody. And I kind of think that's the point that I'd just like to briefly um, develop and leave us with um, Philip was bold enough yet sensitive enough and thoughtful enough to, to reach out to the Samaritans and to this man from Ethiopia that suggests he was very thoughtful actually um, he didn't think it was going to be the same for both of them it's different kinds of people a different kind of approach. And taking part in God's mission and sharing Jesus is different with different kinds of people. The gospel is the same, but the way we do it must be different. And I kind of think that really deep down, we think that's not the case. We think it is the same, that it should be the same for everybody. And everybody should come to our temple and join in and do it on our terms. But actually, there comes a point somewhere between Jerusalem and Samaria where we have to go and be with them and allow them to grow it on their terms. 
We need to combine the boldness of Philip with his dependence on the Spirit and his thoughtfulness and trust that God is directing his own mission. And I think that's the crossroads. That's the invitation on St. Alphage Sea Salter at this time. And as in the months to come, you put this in pract- into practice, as I say, in part through the Lucerne outreach, through allowing young people and young adults to share the leadership of the church in ways that we've not yet anticipated. My prayer for all of you is that you will have the same joy that the Samaritans had and the Ethiopian and Philip himself. And that God will help you and me be part of a movement which is not just inwards, but outwards in his love. However eccentric and odd that makes us seem. Shall we pray together? Lord, we thank you for the wonderful acts of the apostles. Thank you for Philip's uh, boldness, for his love and passion, but also his thoughtfulness. Um, We pray that we would grow in those attributes in your mission. Uh, Lord, sweep us all up, and especially St. Alfred's Seasalter, into a fresh outward movement in your love. Uh, Please bless our Jerusalem and Judea closer to home, but also Samaria and those who live in the rest of the world through us. We offer you ourselves at this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, everybody.